Well, good morning, 1030 friends at Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor here. And some of you are thinking, does he have to give this message with 16 of his best friends? And that kind of, kind of, I want to take this moment at the beginning of uh, not only this series, but really the beginning of 2024 to uh, introduce to you our board of directors. This is the board of directors at Good Shepherd Church. And uh, they help navigate our direction. They help keep us within the rails. They help, we've, we've made, gone through a lot of really good, really liberating adjustments in the last year. And these are the people who've steered the ship. And I want you to be able to meet them and pray for them. So they're gonna pass the microphone down and introduce themselves. Good Shepherd. I'm Dean Gaddis, Executive Director, and very privileged to serve you in this board. Thank you. Rob Watson. Will Elmore. Isela Moreno. Lindsay Mackey. Christy Tolley. John Agnew. Kim Yarborough. Giovanni Aguilar. Tom Hamilton. Solomon Ajaman. Tamara Bowie. Colman Brashala. Fidel Baca. Annie Bowley. Jim Wright. And John Burke. Talbot Davis. <laughs> hey. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, these. These folks have enormous responsibility and they've been selected on the basis of wisdom and, and faith and discernment and, and have shepherded us so well in recent years. And again, in just a minute, you're gonna be able to have an opportunity to pray over them and pray for them. One of the things that uh, the leadership here really is in alignment on has to do with our understanding of scripture. And uh, because this message, that, that today's message in the first Secrets of Love series is called Secrets of Close Love, like closer than close love. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to open your Bible, locate Ephesians chapter 5, and just keep a finger there. Maybe your Bible looks like mine and it looks like a book, even though it's not really a book, it's really a library, and Ephesians is from the the correspondence section, or maybe it's located on your phone. However you find it, just go ahead and find Ephesians chapter five. And if you don't have it, it's okay. It's going to be up on the screen, but that's just a fact of, of, of how you, how you navigate places in the Bible. We also at Good Shepherd, we believe that the biblical library, and again, you may not believe this yet. Your leadership does, your board, your staff leaders, we do. We just like to have that clarity. We believe there's no other library like it on earth, that God breathed his life into its words. He put his truth onto its pages. We actually believe that the Bible is inspired and eternal and true. And so out of that conviction comes a custom that I, that I wanted you to see our board doing themselves. When we talk about the Bible, we lift it up together. And if you've never been here before, you're like, there's all these Bibles up in the air. This is unusual. Yes, that means I'm surrounded by a, a board full of oddballs behind me. But we, are, we have discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that collectively, we do not have life figured out. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. But we know who does, and so we're glad to surrender to his authority.
And so we're going to pray. Would you point your palms towards the board, towards me? We're going to pray blessings over the board and their, their shepherding of Good Shepherd. And we're also going to pray for this message that I'm fixing to deliver. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for these men and women and the leadership that they give to us, the way they shepherd the shepherds of this church, and the way that they make sure that we are in line with the good shepherd who is you. Give them great wisdom and great insight in the coming year. Father, I also pray for this message that you'll fill me with everything that's good and right and joyful about the Holy Spirit, and that you would do the same for everyone within the sound of my voice. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And would you let these folks know you appreciate their ministry? Y'all can... And when you see them, them, they're mostly leaving now. They heard the message at nine o'clock. They don't, don't like, they're just objecting that preacher and they're not going to stay for that message. It's not what's going on. So yeah, so, so privileged to be able to serve alongside the shepherds as they shepherd us. Like I said, this series is called Secrets of Love, exactly the kind of series that you should do in February of any given year. And this particular message is called Secrets of Close Love, Closer Than Close Love. And I just want you to know here at the beginning of this message and at the beginning of this series that the thing that I'm going to tell you in a few moments, I'm not going to tell you right now because then you could do what the board just let You could leave. But this thing that I'm going to tell you in a few moments, it, if you are in a relationship, like let's say you're dating, or let's say you're engaged, let's say you're married. If you are in a relationship, the thing that I'm going to tell you, it'll help you complete each other's sentences. It, it'll help you avoid passive aggression in your relationship. It will help you not wonder, well, does she feel the same way about me that I feel about her? It, it'll help you prevent more crises than you manage. It'll help you. This thing that I'm going to tell you, it is so good that it will help that ensure that you wake up each day with sweet smelling morning breath. That's, that's how good this thing that I'm going to tell you is. In short, if you put into practice this thing that I'm going to tell you, you will have the kind of life where if you could do it all over again, you do it all over again. Isn't that great? All that, including good morning breath, all that from what I'm fixing to share with you in a few moments, because this series is called Secrets of Love, and this, this message is Secrets of Closer Than Close Love, and, and the series as a whole, and this message in particular, it's designed for people who are married. It's designed for people who were married. It's designed for people who are thinking about getting married. And it's designed for people who know people who are married. That, that's, that's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? Like, it's designed for everybody. And, and if you know anything about what we at Good Shepherd Church, what we think about marriage, because after all, you may or may not know this. If you're new, you probably don't. But we're, we're a church who has launched what we call the Beautiful Marriage Movement. Because we know that a pretty wedding lasts a day. And, and costs a lot, but a beautiful marriage lasts a lifetime. 
And that's what we are about in this place. And, and we understand that when it comes to building, making, keeping a beautiful marriage or even a beautiful romantic relationship, it has so much to do with this here hula hoop. And some of you are like, oh, Lord, he's going to hula hoop in front. <laughs> no, that's not happening. Some of you saw the picture yesterday online where for some reason I was doing this. From the, I don't know what that was about. But we know that a healthy relationship involves, if you really want, I want my marriage to be better, I want my dating relationship to be better, you step inside this circle and you work on everything inside this circle. And if you can work on everything inside this circle, this person's attitude and this person's faith and this person's tongue, that if you work on everything inside this circle, it gets you out of passive aggression. It gets you out of the blame game. Man, I'd be happy if you weren't. We, we, we used to be and, until you know, it gets you out of all of that and it gets you working on everything that is inside this circle. And we've discovered that when people are committed to that, then beautiful marriages are not just a phrase that we utter. They become a reality that we, amen? amen. Yet, however, but we also know that this message is called secrets of closer than close love. And that if you really want to have a relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or whether it's a married relationship, and you really want it to be super close and completely united, that happens when you invite your mate inside that circle so that the level of knowledge for each other is extraordinarily deep and the level of sharing is extraordinarily honest and, and the level of growth is extraordinarily high. And it all happens when you invite that partner inside this sacred circle with you. And so what we're going to talk about today, again, talking about with this idea that, I, man, I want you completing each other's sentences. And, and I want you at the, at the end of 30 or 40 years to, to look back and think, man, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it all over again. And, and so we're going to be talking about exactly how that happens and how you invite that person in. But before we do that, first of all, there's no way I'm going to be able to stay inside that circle the whole time. But before we do that, I have to acknowledge that I am, am making an assumption. I'm assuming something here. And y'all know what happens, when you, what happens to you and to me when you assume stuff, right? You, you, I'm not telling you what you don't know. And the assumption that I'm making is that the majority of you want the kind of relationship that I'm talking about. Whether you're married whether you're single, whether you're single again, whether you're a teenager just on the cusp of marrying age. I am assuming that when you think about relationships, if you could have a choice between an average one and an extraordinary one, you're like, give me the really good one. Give me the really close one. I assume that for this marriage. And while I make that assumption, I acknowledge that's probably not true for all of you here. Some of you here, you don't want the kind of relationship that I'm talking about because you live kind of a solo life, a solitary life, and you like it that way. And if that's you today, that's okay. I, I want you to listen in because what I'm talking about may not feel like it applies directly to you right now. There could well come a time when it will. 
And then for others of you who, who are married or, or you are involved, hopefully not both. You're not interested in the kind of relationship that I'm talking about where you're in the circle together, where you're super close and super connected. You're not interested because in that because as of today, you love your secrets more than you love your mate. And if that's you and, and, and the kind of intimate connected, closer than close relationship that I'm talking about feels intimidating or feels off-putting because you like your secrets more than you like your mate, please know that you will likely soon discover that if you have to hide it in order to have it, it's going to come back to haunt you. And I just want hope, hope and pray that the words that I share today will move you to releasing that thing that you're hiding before you ever get caught and before, you ever have, before it ever comes back to haunt you. And wherever you are on, on all of this continuum, just know that what I have to share with you doesn't only apply in February, it applies the other 11 months of the year. And, and I truly believe that all of us Whatever level of relationship we're in now, this thing that I'm going to tell you, it's going to take average to extraordinary. It will take trouble to strong. And I believe that God has given a word for today. Because here's a fear. When it comes to marriage, relationships, here, here's a fear that I have as a married guy. And, and maybe you have this fear too. Men, especially women, some. But the fear that I have comes from a, a couple that I heard about, and, and they're a married couple, and they had a friend couple, and the friend couple, the, the woman and the friend couple told the wife and the couple I'm telling you about that they were going to spend their evening sharing a, a pot of coffee and talking. And so the wife says, oh, honey, that sounds so wonderful. Why don't we do that? And, and the husband says, let's do it. Let's brew a pot of coffee and we'll talk. And so they do. And they make that pot of coffee and they're sitting in the kitchen table and they sit and they sip and they slurp and they stare, but they don't talk. And finally, the husband says, could you call your friend and find out what they're talking about? <laughs> That's a fear that I have. A, a, a fear that a marriage can turn more into a pairing of roommates, people with separate interests and separate lives and separate agendas. And so a marriage that might have started out intimate and close becomes very diverse. Uh, it seemed like a partnership, and it turned into roommates. That, that can happen not only with marriages, but with, with other kinds of romantic rela dating relationships, engaged relationships. And that's a fear that I have. And, and when I couldn't be any more fearful, or the guilt couldn't feel any heavier, we come across two verses Two verses in scripture where God gives his design for marriage and the design for marriage feels so intimate and feels so intimidating. The first place where we read this design for marriage is way back at the beginning, Genesis chapter two and verses 24 and 25. And this is after the man, the, after the Lord has created the man 
And after the Lord has given away the very first bride, it's this beautiful scene. I don't know if you know this or not, but God, our Father, gives away the first bride in human history. And look what he says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 and 25. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked. Southern version says naked and they felt no shame. So that's Old Testament. Moses writing 1500 BC or so, going back to the, to the very beginning of time, Moses writing. And then over in the New Testament, 1500 years later or so, the book of Ephesians where Paul writes his letter to the church at Ephesus, and he retweets what Moses has said in Genesis. And look at what Paul says, Ephesians chapter five, verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So that's the design for marriage. Two verses, completely different sections of the biblical library, and yet we get that that design repeated. A man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two, where there used to be two, there's now one And that oneness does speak to imply sexual intimacy for sure, but it applies to so much more than that. It it applies to an emotional intimacy. It applies to a oneness of purpose, a singularity of where we are going as a family and as a couple. And it's this beautiful design with a major problem. And what's the major problem? If you just look at the verses... It doesn't tell you how to get there. If you just rip the verses out, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. It doesn't give the instructions for, it gives the what. This is, this is what marriage is. This is how it is designed. But it doesn't give us the how. And, and, and so we're like, well, how? How, how am I going to get out of this preaching dilemma I've put myself in because I, I promised you promise you you're going to complete each other's sentences you're, you're going to have a life free of regret I, that was my promise and, and so how how will we get out of th- this particular dilemma that these verses put us in and 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 the answer to that as almost always when you're trying to read scripture faithfully is c i e And if you've been at Good Shepherd any length of time, you know that CIE stands for context is everything. That the best way to under... And if you haven't been to Good Shepherd before, we're really glad you're here now. And now you know what CIE means. You know, you don't rip verses out of their context. They only make sense when you know what's come before them and when you know what comes after them and when you even know the setting around all of it. Context really is everything. And the cool thing about both Genesis chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 5, the cool thing about these two marriage design verses is that both of them come in the setting of passages that have to do with things that are much larger than marriage and much more significant than romance. Like in Genesis chapter 2, when, when, when God designs marriage, God and the man, they have been spending all kinds of time together. I mean, it's just the two of them. 
And they've been spending, well, God and the man and a whole bunch of animals that the man has to name. And finally, they've been spending so much time together that I don't know, maybe God gets a little tired of spending all that time with the man. And he says, could you take a nap? Well, parents, you know, when, when you're, could, time, nap time. So God said, nap time. And, and the man falls asleep and he wakes up and he's missing a rib, but he's gained a wife. So it's in the, the context, this marriage design verse is in the context of a super close relationship with God. And in the same way, look at Ephesians, because when Paul retweets Genesis, it's in the section to the Ephesian church where he's not even really talking about marriage. He's talking about bigger stuff than marriage. Look what he says in verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 5. It says this, husbands. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 29, after all, no one ever hated their body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Oh, he's not really talking about marriage. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about faith. He's talking about what it means to be this, the gathered body of Christ together. In fact, when he utters these words about marriage, for this reason, a man will leave his father and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. You, you would be fair to ask, well, Paul, are you talking about marriage or are you talking about Jesus here? And Paul would answer, yes. And so when you realize that extraordinary truth that both marriage designed verses, they're just verses, are in the context of super close relationship with God passages that you realize what's really important in Bible in the Bible. You realize what's really important in faith. And here's the takeaway for every one of you who has decided, yep, I would like closer than close marriage, closer than close engagement, closer than close romance. Here it is. To get close to your mate, grow closer to your maker. If you want to get close to your mate, don't try to get close to your mate. If you want to get close to your mate, grow closer to your maker. See, we have the wrong process for what's sort of the right goal. So many times we're like, I just want a better marriage. I just want a, a, a smoother engagement. I just want deeper romance. And we chase after that as fast as we can. When the truth is, if you really want a better marriage, if you really want smoother engagement or deeper romance, you chase after Jesus and you chase after him as fast as you can. And you work on your faith. You grow, not hers, not it. Well, my, man, my faith would be a lot better if yours would just measure up. No, you chase after him and you watch the priorities fall into place. You see, so many of us have taken, we've taken a good thing. Like you, you, you want to find a mate or you want the marriage that you have to be stronger and better. We have taken a good thing and made it a top thing or made it the only thing. And do you know what another name for it is when you take a good thing and you make it the only thing? It's called idolatry. And Jesus will not tolerate being one among many in your life. 
he will only tolerate being the one and only. He doesn't want to be tolerated. He wants to be venerated. He doesn't want to just be accepted. He wants to be adored. And so when you get the order right, man, if I really want as strong a marriage or as strong a romance as possible, I chase after him on my own and I grow in my faith. Whoo. Watch how things fall into place. I love how the, to grow, if you want to get close to your mate, grow closer to your maker. And, and, I, and I, love, I love how this works out. And I love how singles not only get this, but, but teach about it. Some of you know that I lead a, a young adult life group on Wednesday evenings at this church, they're 20s and very early 30s, and they let me lead that group, and, and uh, all kinds of interesting things happen in that group. And we were not long ago studying a, a curriculum on relationships, because that makes sense. You were 20s and 30s, and so let's talk about relationships. And, you know, I've, I've prepared a lesson for the group, and you know, I think I'm so sophisticated and smart, and, and asked the question of the group, how do you, and we're going to put it up on the screen, what is the best way to find a mate with character. So you're, you're looking for a mate. What is the best way to ensure that you find one with character? And immediately, without any hesitation, one of the young women in that group answers, develop it in yourself. And with that, I closed the book. <laughs> and I said, I said, our class is over. My work is done here. There can never be a better answer given to any question than the one that you have just heard. You all have surpassed your sensei. Isn't, 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 isn't that awesome? You, you, you attract what you're becoming. If you're single or single again, don't, don't ever think, oh, if I could just find someone with faith. No! If I can just grow my faith, and then you will attract what it is that you are becoming like, attracts like. And so instead of out there hunting for like, grow into what you want to attract, to get close to your mate, grow closer to your maker. And I want to give up. A couple of practical suggestions, if I might, because practical suggestions are like way better than impractical ones, I have found out. And, and, and the first one, first practical suggestion is, particularly for marrieds, if you're married, if you're engaged, share what God is teaching you. If, if you want to take this circle and invite your mate into the circle with you, share what it is that the Lord is teaching you. And of course, if you're going to share what it is the Lord is teaching you, you know what that means? Hello, you have to be teachable. You have to be open on your own journey to discovering what it is that the Lord is teaching you and how it is that he is stretching you. It's, we have a tool here. A lot of you already use this tool. If you don't use this tool for your daily growth, we have something called Come Alive Daily. And you can sign up for it right now, like on your phone. You sign up for Come Alive Daily. Go to gscharlotte.org slash email and scroll down to Come Alive Daily. And if you sign up like right now, I promise you tomorrow, because it's already been written and scheduled, tomorrow at 4 a.m., we will help you read through the book of 1 Corinthians. Because I know some of you are like, well, I'd like to read the Bible. I just have no idea how to do it or what it means. Welcome to Come Alive Daily, and you can join the more than 2,400 people who are already part of it. 
and you can, and you'll be able to share with your mate. Did you know that's what the Bible said? Did, did you know that's what Paul meant when he wrote to that church in Corinth? Did you know, hello, did you know the Bible's not a book, but it's a library? Even that, share what it is that your mate is teaching you. It's kind of interesting is about um, for the last decade or so, and, and I actually know exactly when it happened. It hap- happened at a wedding in October of 2014. Since that time, a wedding in October of 2014, I realized about me that I am basically an introvert who's only happy when I'm the center of attention. Did you catch that? But you didn't have to say amen. Basically, basically an introvert who's only happy when I'm the center of attention. Well, how sick is that? And so since I've realized that about myself, I'm able to, with Julie, who's my wife, in June, we will have been married 40 years. So she's been, she's been, she'd already been dealing with this stuff for 30 of them before I figured out what was going on with me. But, but in the last 10 years or so, I, I can get her to help me monitor how it is that I really do like to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. I mean, I really, I really, I really am that way. And, and so, but, but you, you got to allow your mate in to show what, what, what is the Lord teaching you? He's teaching you you're not well. But how does Julie help out? She, mission is not accomplished, but it is getting there. And I just invite you to that same level of teachability and vulnerability in whatever kind of relationship that you have to get close to your mate, grow closer to your maker. Share what it is that God is teaching you. Second practical hint is this. Allow your mate, take a deep breath. Allow your mate to point out sin in you that you may not see in yourself. Now, this is not an occasion or an invitation to invent. Don't conjure up sins out of thin air just so you can get one over on your mate. It's not an occasion to nag or to exaggerate. But it is an opportunity to realize that no one is better positioned to see the sin in you that you have become blind to in yourself than the the mate God has given you. And I just said, guys, be man enough to allow it. Ladies, be ladylike enough to encourage it. It's not easy. It's often very uncomfortable. But nothing good happens without some pain in the meantime. Just ask Jesus about the cross to grow, get close to your mate, grow closer to your maker, because I don't know. I really do. I I have this crazy hope, this crazy dream that you, when you get to the end of your days, and maybe even the the end, that you would be able to look back on your relationships and, and say, if I had to do it all over again, I would do it all over again. Kind of like Winston Churchill, the prime minister of Great Britain who helped us win World War II. And one time he was asked, well, Mr. Churchill, if you could be anyone else on planet Earth, who would you be? And he answered, 
I would be Lady Churchill's second husband. In other words, if I could do it all over again, I would. And I pray that same will be true of you and for me as we get close to our mates by growing closer to our makers. Let's pray. So God, thank you that we can build our lives not on the false promises of the world, but the true convictions of the word. And I pray that you would instill a passion and a desire deep within the hearts and lives of the people of Good Shepherd so that for everyone within the sound of my voice, they would recognize the idols that they have created and we would topple them so that everything we do and everything we pursue would be all about Jesus. For it is in his name we pray. Amen.